Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. From still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ down there in Thomas County Central Country. The Yellow Jackets TCC. One of my favorite logos back in back in the home state I, I like how it all looks i like the the numbers i'm a big stickler for uniforms and look and thomas county central does a really good job with that and to talk anything but the logo of thomas county central it's coach justin rogers coach good afternoon sir how are you hey good afternoon thank you for uh, having me on thank you for being here uh what's it like right now uh in the football program is it pretty dead are you getting ready to get started what's uh what is it like for you on march 2nd Oh no, we're uh we're we're fast and furious right now. You know, mm-hmm. we're kind of hitting the phase two part of the offseason program. We finished up January and February, which is a big bulking stage for us. And so now we're still into our lifting three days a week, you know, really hammering that and then hitting a lot more speed, agility, change of direction type type stuff on our Tuesdays and Thursdays, kind of hitting phase two, trying to make sure we're in shape when spring football comes around coming up after spring break. So um, you know, in Georgia, you know it, football's important. And in mm-hmm. South Georgia, it's a little bit more important. So it's, yeah. it's never really a downtime. It's just you're doing something different. How has your phases evolved over the years as a coach? Um, has it been pretty set in standard since you developed uh, your different phases for the offseason program and then just gearing up for the regular season? Or has it uh, evolved a lot in recent years? Yeah, I mean, obviously, with everything and anything, you know, it's going to evolve and it's going to organically get to the place it gets through the years and experiences that you have. So um, so we're no different there. You know, places we've been, trial and error, uh, talking to others and success they've had. We've slowly tweaked things down to where we really like it. Now I'll say mm-hmm. this: how much has it evolved in the last probably three years? Uh, it's, it's been pretty close, pretty pretty relevant in the last three years, pretty tight in the timeline. I really like the timeline we've got and the way that we do things from our January and February to our March and April to obviously when you hit May, which kind of just segues right into your summer, June and July, and then you're right back into preseason and season. August and, and on into the rest of the season. So we've got it broken down into those those areas and we we've kind of got a month by month of what we hope to accomplish. So yeah, it changes, but it, it it's been pretty pretty well out of as I've got years experience on my belt, I kind of like where we're at. What's your favorite week in March, coaching wise? Oh, favorite week in March. What a question. Uh you know, March is a heavy I'll say this about March. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know if I have a favorite week. I mean, uh, I know when you get to the week before spring break, it's pretty you're pretty fired up about a break sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll say this: I think the the elite programs and the really good programs that are year in year out, I think I think they win March. Hmm. I just think they win March into February and March. January, everybody comes back. You're fired up about football. It's a brand new year. You got young guys thinking it's their opportunity to step up. You get back from spring break. Hey, everybody's fired up for spring football. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Hey, spring football, everyone's fired up. Summer, you're doing seven-on-seven, OTAs, shoulder pad camps. You know, people are getting up for the competition there. And then obviously hit the season. But that February and March, brother, 
It ain't nothing but putting the work in. And, and it ain't no limelight. It ain't no competition. It ain't no going against. And the programs that can really win in those two months, I think, really give themselves a huge head start. So I don't have necessarily a favorite week, you know, of March, but I do accept and understand how important this month is, especially because you're getting to go outside so much more, too. Mm. The weather's finally breaking, you know, right there end of February. It starts to break down here in South Georgia and you get good weather. You just got to deal with the pollen. Mm. But, uh, but you got good weather. You can get in and out. And it's not the cool mornings and stuff like that. So I think the month's really important. Are you an allergy guy? Does pollen just eat you alive or no? Now nah, I grew up in South Alabama too. Mm. And so I think just, you know, being around it so much of my life, yeah, it didn't mm. really bother me too bad. What's that I first? Say this, though, as I've got older, I've noticed uh. it bothers me a little bit more. Really? I have. That, I noticed that. But nothing that shuts you down. Just get a little you know, sniffle sometimes. As you get older as a coach, though, what uh, what have you found uh, kind of irks you more as an older coach than what you uh, first noticed when you were when you were just getting started? Um, attention to detail, you know, mm. just by everybody, you know, from the adults involved, you know, to the players, you know, mm. just, you know, making sure that we're focused on the little aspects that really matter. Mm. Um, sometimes we get caught chasing things that don't matter, you know, instead of that. Um, that irks me a lot. Urgency, hmm. not having a sense of urgency. And again, I go back to adults and players, understanding how, you know, I mean, here we are, you know, in March, January, February is already gone. I mean, hmm. you know, we, we always think we have this illusion of so much time and then it, you look up and it'll be August. Hmm. And so do you have that urgency to get better today? Um, so that irks me and I'm always working on patience. Yeah, I, I, aren't I, we I all, man? Person, but um, if you value urgency and the importance of it, sometimes the counter counter to that is you lack patience. Where are you going for spring break? Are you going to be able to get out, or are you staying home? Uh, we don't know where we're going yet. Um, you know, we uh, me and Melissa are going to try to do something with the kids. That's what mm. we talked about. It's like we need to do something fun with them. You know, I got a seven year old, I got a uh, a senior daughter, and I got a seven year old little boy and a four year old little girl. So we're going to do something with them, but. A lot of times for me, spring breaks just catching up on maybe some kind of project around the house. Mm. We don't really travel. I think the beach is overrated. Spring break, <laughs> you know, all right. Too cold. I yeah. think everybody that goes to, I just think it's over. But I got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. They're getting in that water. If they're getting in it, that means daddy's getting in it. <laughs> and, and that water ain't, ain't quite ready for what daddy wants. So we'll wait for Memorial Day and go more during the end of May mm-hmm. and try to sneak one in. You know, the first of April. Let's let that water get a shot. Gulf warm up pretty quick for you. But I like it. Cold, man. Are you a lake guy at least? Because if you're not a beach guy, are you I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I'm a water guy anyway. Uh. Anywhere you can get some water. But obviously, you know, being this close to the Gulf, it's, mm. it's hard to to not go down there. I mean, we're I can be on the beach in two hours right here where we're at. So it's a pretty good deal. Uh, I like it. Um, when we're looking at uh, going into next year, Coach, where where are you at in spring prep? Like, what uh, position group are you most curious about uh, heading into spring ball and seeing what uh, spring practice looks like? Which position group do you think are you most focused on? Well, I mean, right now in spring prep, the first question kind of where we're at in spring prep, we're in our position meetings right now. We've, we've been meeting as a staff of what we want to install and got our days set for what our install schedule is going to be. And so right now the position groups are all meeting of individually, making sure you're in position meetings to get that stuff installed. 
Uh, what position? I mean, mm. obviously, we graduated a senior quarterback. That was really good. Um, I don't care what level of football you're at, from 10-year-old football to the pros, uh, you better have a good quarterback. Mm. And so anytime you're having to replace a starter with a, a young guy that doesn't have starting experience, that's always going to be a question mark. You mm. know, so, uh, finding that trigger guy. Next for me, probably receivers. We, we graduated two really good ones. Mm. Uh, I like some of the young guys we have, but there's a lot of route adjustments and things like that that we do on our offense that have to be learned. Mm. So, you know, in saying that, I guess you would say the passing game, right? You, you mm. have a lot, of, a lot of questions in our passing game getting better in that area. Um, I, I'd say that's the major things right now that, that we're focused on. Do you think personnel uh, groupings is going to be pretty different versus what fans saw last year? Nah. Now we were we were an eleven personnel football team and a twelve mm. personnel football team, and we got both those guys coming back. Mm. So you got the tight end coming back, you got the fullback sniffer back coming back. So those guys will be good, and in fact, be part of our strengths. You know, so if anything, it may may hang our hat a little more in those personnel groupings. We were in it a lot last year, eleven and twelve, mm. uh, but could be in it even more this year uh, because of the experience of those two guys. What was your favorite moment last season? Do you have one favorite game? Favorite favorite moment? Moment? Mm. It was a lot of them. It was a good year last year. Mm. Like I say it was a good year, a lot of excitement down there. They hadn't had a, a, a really good year in a long time here. So mm. uh, there was a lot of moments. Favorite moment, obviously, you know, winning at Thomasville. Mm. That's, that's a big one, you know. Uh, winning at Thomasville was a very important game for us and, and getting that done. Um, you know, winning at Lee. That's a big one. Leesburg's mm. tough place to play. That's a good game. And then obviously winning the, the region championship up there at Northside, another mm. great program, you know, in the state of Georgia, you know, so winning that. But we had a lot of, of good memories, good, good, good times last year. But like I say, you put those behind you, move on. It's interesting you mentioned Lee because that was a close back and forth game for y'all and really the closest uh, in the regular season. What was it that Lee did that kept it so close and kind of kept you on your heels through four quarters? Too talented as real. That's, mm -hmm. that's one thing they did. I mean, they're good. They're a good football team. Um, Dean Fabrizio does an unbelievable job with them year in, year out. They're never going to have bad years. They're always mm -hmm. going to be talented. They're going to be strong. They're going to be fast. And so they're a physical football team. And, you know, yeah. They, they did what they do. I mean, they're three three stack defense that brings pressure. I mean, you know that going mm. in, and so you got to limit your negative plays because if they get you in a lot of negatives, they get you in a lot of long yardage situations. And then that running back they got is just dynamic. Biggest thing with him is just making sure he doesn't get it going for a big run. And so we were able to limit the explosive plays on that part where they didn't have many explosive plays. And then offensively, we were able to hit a bunch of explosives because mm. it's, it's hard to drive at 10 plays against them. They're just too good. So, um, you know, that, that game was just a back and forth, tough, tough battle. We even had to hit some trick plays on them and held on to win. Uh, but, you know, yeah, Lee, that, that was a big one because Lee's just so talented year in, year out, and very well coached, very mm. well coached. Love Dean. He's got some good energy. Uh, Dean's does, a fired man. up guy. I mean, it's numbers don't lie. I mean, it mm. is what it is, man. As, as much as we want to say it, numbers don't lie. And your record's who you are. And uh, and so his record represents the good coach and quality coach that he is. Um, it's always interesting with the high school level, like what coaches have to prepare for, because it's not the same with college and NFL, where you have a pretty good sense what teams are going to be running week in, week out. But for defenses, for y'all's group this year, did you have to change? Like, did you have to change a lot? And scout team is so important, where it's like, hey. We're not going to see a team run this for the rest of the year. 
like we're not going to spend all summer preparing for this because it's going to be a one-time thing like how much of that did you have to evolve week week over week based on what you were seeing on the schedule yeah there's no doubt i mean that's the uniqueness of high school right Mm -hmm. and and so and you get that somewhat at the lower levels or maybe you know division two and fcs a little bit you know Mm -hmm. even those levels where there's just so much variety in the offense you know from are you know, our second round of playoffs? We're running a straight, you know, under center triple option offense, mm-hmm. and then you get to a spread run, throw it every time offense, you know, that we've had to face in the Houston County type deal, mm-hmm. and then you get a you know heavy run, you know, twelve personnel too tight in Northside <laughs> offense, mm-hmm. and um, so now you know that. Then you got Bainbridge, who's now running that Coastal Carolina three back triple mm. out of the gun offense so yeah that that is a unique deal in high school is is seeing all that and then the varieties of defense mm-hmm. because you're you're going to get so many different defenses where they're a penetrating defense where they're getting up the yard to where they're a, they're a uh, a sound uh, base defense that's going to just kind of kind of squeeze and scrape you know mm-hmm. and um and so yeah it's you're always preparing for a lot of stuff you know at high school because the variety for what people think I will say this on our schedule this year, um, I probably didn't have as much variety as I've had in the past, hmm. you know, which was good, you know, because we probably only had, I would say, three just just truly unique offenses. Hmm. And then the rest of them fell into a 10, 11, 12 personnel-based type package. You could put them in a, in a, in a package like that. So only three was that bad this year. And I think you see it more. In high school, at the smaller single A, double mm-hmm. A, triple A, where it's a lot more. As you get up to six A and seven A uh, in the state of Georgia, it kind of balances out. Everyone's going to have some kind of spread tendency. Mm. Do you think part of that is just because like a, just so many college D one players involved, where it's like you kind of want to play a scheme that they're going to play at the college level, and you don't want to kind of pigeonhole yourself for these kids because then the other so. coach can't see it and yeah, what I they look so. like. I think yeah. your measurables, your depth. Mm. You know, that what you have because you're playing with long kids and, and mm. big kids, so you're you're accustomed to that, where the other ones maybe you're not playing with the length. Mm. So you're you're trying to do some things to give them angles and leverage, you know, by doing a different offense. How has like elite uh elite eight, elite seven, seven on seven, that kind of thing changed how you approach spring and summer ball? Well, just I mean, again, like I told you a while ago of mm. you know one of our biggest concerns is you know, quarterback receiver passing mm. game. Well, that's the beauty of the the stuff you can do in the summer with the seven on sevens. You can hmm. have simulated experience. You know, it ain't real and it ain't the same, but it's still reading coverages and, and placing accurate balls. Hmm. So it's still sim. I call it simulated experience. And hmm. so we have we have ten practices, and the tenth one's a game. So hmm. you really only have nine practices in the spring. So since you know in the summer you've got all this seven on seven. You know, in the spring, we're always going to focus on running the football. Mm. You know, while we got equipment on, and so we're going to focus on running the football there, knowing we've got the summer to catch up in the pass game. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, player who got better for you last year every month, but you're like, what you remember he came in at in August versus what he left in December. Who do you think made the biggest jump month over month? Uh, Tyler Floyd, who's hmm. a slot receiver, no doubt. Why? I mean, he, just consistency. I mean, from the day mm-hmm. I got here, you know, working with him in January to when he finally left and he, shoot, he broke the record. He's the all-time leading receiver, single-season receiver in the history of the school. Wow. And um, and nobody would have saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Nobody. 
And uh, but just day in, day out, just bought into what we were doing, worked tirelessly hard at practice, was a great practice player. And um, and just his production on Friday nights, he'll be tough to replace. Um, but he was a really good slot receiver. Uh, another kid, I would I would have to I would be a miss not saying that he was really good the year before, mm. but really became a leader, which is a, he was a good player already. Javion Rebels mm. was our defensive tackle, and uh, just really proud of the leader he became. Mm. You know, not that his play really stepped up, you know, like a Tyler Floyd. But his his off the field leadership stuff began to emerge. Uh, for Floyd, is it his release? Is it uh, just his uh, football IQ? Is it what what about him uh, makes him so tough for opposing uh, defenses to handle in the slot? All of the above. Mm. I mean, he was a very savvy, smart player. Um, I mean, shoot, he was about five foot. Shoot, I don't know, five foot seven. Mm. Guy, maybe five foot eight. I mean, just a little short slot. Mm. Uh, but he was like a water bug. I mean, he was just really quick, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was fast. Top end speed was good. But his 10, I mean, his his quickness in short burst mm. is what made him special. And so you could never get a great hit on him. You could never get a clean hit on him just the way that he did. And so, um, you know, and with our quarterback, Sam, doing some things pre-snap with him, we were able to get the ball to him out in space to where he, he could play – you know, backyard football and, mm. uh, and be that athlete that he is. So uh, it's all the above. I mean, but without his quickness and his, his athleticism that he had, you know, he couldn't have used his football IQ, but he had both. That's what made him a complete player. Can you develop that at all? Uh, yeah, to an extent, yeah. but there's ceilings. Yeah. Now, I think you can, do, I think you can um, develop football IQ. Mm. Really, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of staffs don't spend enough time developing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, athleticism, you know, like I told you, we're moving to phase two now. We're working on a lot of speed and agilities, change of direction, things like that. And obviously those things can be improved, I mean, with any skill development. But I do think, you know, just genetics and human beings, There, I think there's a ceiling on each person to where that's going to get. I don't think you can just go out there and work overnight and produce a Deion Sanders because you worked hard enough. Mm. Um, I do think, you know, genetics do play a part. When you look at tape heroes, who like folks who were watching the games from the stands and um, were supporting y'all would have missed this guy? Because you can't, like, he's not in the box score all that much, but he was just someone that you just looked at when you were reviewing tape of the weekend. You're like, man, he's just, he's done such a great job for us and he's such a linchpin, but uh, it doesn't show up in the numbers. Who was that for y'all? That's a good question. Um, someone who would never show up much out in the limelight that probably people didn't realize uh, what a great one would be uh, one of our defensive linemen, Ezekiel Bogan, mm. will be coming back. Um, Revels was the defensive player of the year in our region. Cam Brooks is a defensive end, is getting all kind of offers from from all other all the SEC teams here now. Zeke was that little silent three technique that was freaking mm. good as rip. I mean, he did a dang good job and a good player. He didn't get the credit he deserved because being overshadowed by two really, really good players. Um, but he would probably be the one on defense of Zico Bogan. Offensively, I'd probably say Owen Braswell. Mm. I mean, uh, we had some really good O-linemen and, and Sauls and uh, Debo Lee that were really good O-linemen. But Braswell just did a phenomenal job at the center position of getting us in the right calls, making sure to push protections and mic calls. And just that that football IQ part, right? That mm-hmm. you talk about of lining up all five O linemen to make sure they're on poison. Now we're we're blessed to have both those young men back, you know. So that'll be huge. And now 
they've got to go from that hidden gym mm-hmm. to that public gym now because that, that, that those people have graduated that kind of took some of their swagger maybe. Uh, but they were really good last year for us in, in a nonchalant, I guess you could say, non uh, flamboyant where everybody saw them way. Good question. Uh, last thing on the actual football side of things, um, and we'll wrap up here, Coach. Um, I want to be respectful for your time and uh, get you out of here. But um, when the with the Roswell game, I know Coach Chris pretty well, and he like that Roswell program is a juggernaut, obviously in the greater Atlanta area. But when you look at uh, how that game ultimately unfolded for you guys, high scoring back and forth, was it about what you thought was going to happen in game day prep, where you thought it was going to be a high scoring back and forth, or what? What was different about the game that you didn't see coming? And I disagree. Yeah, I probably, yeah, I thought both teams were going to score. Hmm. Uh, I just thought the offenses were good. Both teams going to score. Um, I didn't see us running out to the lead we ran out to. I, mm. I joke with people now and tell them we won 12 and a half games. We just didn't win the second half. Mm. Um, that was just one of those weird games where momentum got going. Mm. I mean, and, you know, we're up 31. We're up 31-13 with five minutes left to go in the third. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how – how that thing came off the uh, rails, just came off the rails. And some of the greatest kids that worked their tails off, mm-hmm. um, just some freak plays that happened that the ball bounced Roswell's way and, and and they were able to get some momentum going. We had some very untimely drops that could have got drives going to get us back in it. And it was just one of those deals, kind of like you see in basketball sometimes, a team goes on a run and it's a four mm. run, six run, ten run, twelve run. You look up and you're like, dang, they on sixteen zero run, mm. and uh, you just can't get a bucket to stop it. And that's kind of what happened in that game. And like you said, Roswell's a great program that would never give up. Some mm. hats off to them and the fact that even down the way they were, they continued to punch him and and fight and made those plays. So it was one of those deals where uh, that didn't stick with you for a while because you felt like you let one go. Mm-hmm. on that night but uh they definitely earned it you know in that second half with the way they went but momentum you mm-hmm. know they're still in all of sports baseball basketball hockey football so it don't matter momentum is huge and mm-hmm. when you get on a rhythm i mean even you know heck, we can all go out there and play golf on a saturday mm-hmm. should you go out there and hit two or three shots in a row pretty good all of a sudden you got a shot for a good round because you're getting a rhythm right mm-hmm. you know momentum going and so in all aspects of our life Momentum is big, and so momentum really, really hurt us in that second half. Uh, last thing, and we'll go. Um, leadership. What have you? Is there something you've read? Is there a quote? Is there something that you've thought about more as a leader of um, of, of just a football team? What you've built over the last uh, several years? Like, what have you? What have you expanded, or what have you been drawn to leadership wise that you feel like really has helped you evolve as a leader? Yeah, I'm big on that now. I'm a I'm a reader, you know, mm-hmm. by nature. And so I get up early in the morning. I, I read every morning just to make myself that bookshelf mm-hmm. right behind me just slam for I gotta get a bigger bookshelf. I got them sideways and crammed in every kind of way. I love that. And, huh? Oh, I love that, man. I got a uh, whole bookshelf over here. I'm a big I mean, reader. Yeah, I'm a reader, so I'm gonna read. And so the culture and the, the leadership piece is all different things taken from from a various books, you know, that mm-hmm. I've read and things. And so we uh we believe in it, but we've narrowed it down to a pyramid of success. Hmm. You know what we do. Uh, our foundation of our pyramid is show up, because you know the COVID. Re- I really had to add that you know a couple hmm. years back, because COVID really diminished the importance of attendance. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Like we, as a society, diminished how important it was to actually physically be somewhere. Mm. We started doing everything from afar. Mm. And, and we learned a lot of good things from that, like this, you know, being yep. able to zoom in. There was a lot of things really good that we learned. But you still can't diminish how important it is to be physically present with someone. Mm. So we're always going to base our stuff on you got to show up. Then after that, the cornerstone for us is our four pillars, which is respect, trust, uh, uh, commitment, and sacrifice. Mm. And uh, that's the cornerstone of any relationship. You know, if I'm going to be a good husband, a good father, and if I'm going to be a good son, a good teammate, then I'm going to have to have respect for one another. I'm going to have to trust one another. I'm going to have to be committed to one another, and I've got to be willing to sacrifice mm. for one another. And then from there, it goes up to our, our next tier of our pyramid of process, and uh, it takes what it takes. You know, mm. which process is I control the things I can't control in order to attain the things I can't control, right? Mm. We hear Nick Saban always talk about process, you know, but ultimately that's what he's saying. You know, control the things you can control so you can attain the things you can't control. I can't control winning. Mm. I can't control the opponent, how good they are, how what offense they but I can control the things I can. Mm. So we focus on that. The next thing is it takes what it takes. That was uh, off a book Trevor Moab uh, wrote, which is an mm. excellent book, um, and, and hence that's the title. But it's true, and, and, and that's when he talked about the illusion of choice, mm. that if you really want to be great, at anything, you don't have all these choices. It simply takes what it takes. And so that's our middle tier. And from there, it goes up to toughness and discipline. And so you, you got to be tough all right, to be successful in life. And so toughness, what is toughness? All right, I do what's right, not what's easy. Mm -hmm. Right. And that can go with anything in life. But if you're going to be successful, you do those tough things. Not necessarily the easy, mm -hmm. but the right things. And then discipline which unfortunately we so many times think discipline negatively, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but discipline is not negative. Punishment from not being disciplined is negative. Mm -hmm. But discipline is I do what I say I'm going to do, right? Yeah. That's all it is. That's what discipline is. I do what I say I'm going to do. If you say you're going to be lazy as real, hey, you're disciplined. Mm -hmm. you're lazy as real. You know what I mean? At least you did mm -hmm. what you said you was going to do. But whatever it is you tweet about and try to tell everybody you're about, be about it, Right. And then ultimately the tip top of our pyramid, we have a big graphic that's everywhere with this on there, is of when today. And mm. so when today, because that's a lot to do, right? If you're going to mm. show up, if, if you're going to be respectful, trustworthy, you're going to be committed, you're going to sacrifice for your teammate, you're going to understand and control the things you can control, and you're going to understand it takes what it takes, and you got to be tough, you got to be disciplined. Man, I got to do that for a year, you know, or I got to do that for six months. That can be daunting. Mm. Right, that's a long time to do all those things every day. Right, all right, that's tough, but you don't have to. You just got to do it for a day. Yeah, you just got to do it for one day. That's it. You you got to have a great day today, and so that's what we mean when we say the term "win the day." And and so it all comes back to that tip of the the pyramid there. So that's culture in a nutshell. But I, I think um, I think um, uh, uh, Randy Jackson said it best in his book he wrote. It's a daily fist fight. Right. Yeah. It's like raising my own children, you know, that I, that I have. It ain't a one-time pep talk. Mm -hmm. I can't, even with my own personal children, I can't tell them once how to behave and it just stick. So mm -hmm. it's, it's daily moments and opportunities to insert lessons and and uh, guidance, no different than it is for your own children. It's just parenting. That's all it is. I love it. Uh, Coach, how do the good folks uh, support uh, everything you've got going on with your team this spring and into this summer? 
Oh man, just follow us on Facebook, you know, find our Facebook page and uh, Twitter page and, and follow us there and like those pages and, and just keep up with us. And you'll kind of see, we try to make sure everyone kind of knows what's going on. Uh, man, we're, we're in a great town down here in South Georgia. If you don't know where we're at, we're right here on the Florida line. I'm, mm. I'm 30 minutes north of Tallahassee, man. I'm there you go. Bill, we are right here on the Florida line, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful town. Mm. Great people that love ball. And so just follow us there and keep up with us. There you go. Well, this has uh, been uh, an absolute delight. I appreciate you making the time, Coach. It's great meeting you and uh, talking ball and uh, life and leadership and all that good stuff. Um, I wish you nothing but the success uh, this spring, and we'll have to reconnect again uh, before the season gets started this fall. Sounds great, man. Sounds great. Thank you so much. And thank you for promoting football down here in South Georgia. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.